Well, this is it. Here we are to talk about Premier League football. Football. It's a whole new ball what game, a, Paul. What no, wait strange... there, hang on. That was, that was 25 years ago. <laughs> um, it is a, a whole new ball game, though, isn't it? And um, yeah, this is our our closed season preview because uh, we've we're done with nostalgia content. That's it. Never again until we need to again. Um, there's it's time it's time for action, and it all starts at the uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Friday. Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. There are in fact two games on Wednesday night: Arsenal versus Manchester City and Aston Villa versus Sheffield United, which are the catch-up games. So, those four teams have got ten games to go. United have got, and everyone else has got nine. But yeah, we start on Friday against Spurs, and it's a really it's a, critical game. If you look at United's fixture list, it's a it's a big one. Really big. I mean, well, they're, they're a few points behind us, but not that many points behind us. And then we've got Sheffield United, who are competing with us for the Champions League places. Hello, everybody. It's Paul here from the future from about an hour. In the, I mean, the past when you listen to this, but the future from when I'm about to say what I'm about to say. And everything that comes between now and the end of the show has to be put into the context that Ed knew that we were talking about five places for the Champions League, but I didn't. So uh, my lack of understanding about the maths will become a lot clearer. And yes, my official position from the future is that, yeah, of course we're going to get Champions League if five places count. I mean, I say, of course, that's a bit strong. Anyway, back to the show now. I, I, I hope you enjoy it. It's fine. There's, you know, there's, there's a bit about politics at the end that you might want to skip if you're that way inclined. But, you know, uh, apart from that. In fact, no, don't skip it. Force yourself to listen to it and then choose not to ever listen to the show again. That's also fine. Bye, everyone. Back to me and Ed from before. Before I realised things. I mean, l- let's let's go through the situation because I'm sure most of our listeners are, are familiar with this. But but just in case, and Liverpool are going to win the league. Man City are going to come not. second. They might not. No, <laughs> no, no. Story doing the rounds this week. The mind calendar was interpreted wrong. It's next week <laughs> that the world comes to an end. I mean, if this is the last podcast of ours you ever hear, it's thanks for listening. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck in whatever comes next. Um, the Liverpool have 82 points. City have 57. Leicester City have 53. Chelsea have 48. And we have 45 with a massively worse goal difference than Leicester and a marginally better goal difference than Chelsea. Right. Um, so behind us. Wolves on the same number of games, two points behind. Um, when uh, United Sheffield, he said Wednesday there. Sheffield Ooh, United controversial. Um, <laughs> uh, they've got both of these teams have got much worse goal difference than us. Uh, Sheffield United have forty three points, same as Wolves, but a game in hand. That game against Arsenal. Spurs on forty one points, Villa, and then Arsenal. Is it, not, four- is it City, Arsenal, and Villa, Sheffield United this week? Oh, uh, yes, 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 you're right, absolutely, my, my mistake. Um, I thought you were saying Villa are next in the league, and I was like, no, no, that that I don't know much, but I know that's not true. Um, so, yeah, so Sheffield United on 43 points, then Spurs 41 with the same number of games played as us, so they're four points behind us with with maybe make up seven goals worth of goal difference. That's going to be difficult to make up unless some big results happen. And then actually worth saying that Arsenal are on 40 points. So if they win their game against City, that game in hand, they're right up in the mix again. Right. Um, so on the same number of points as Wolves and Sheffield United. So the top nine... Uh, well, apart from, from Liverpool, it's tight. Yeah, yeah. From from four to nine in particular, there's a there's an eight point swing. Um, so so really, the Champions League place, which let's say that Leicester's kind of uh, eight point cushion over us is is substantial enough that unless they start terribly, we don't really have to have them massively in the conversation. Well, I, th- I think a lot- City are going to crumble, and we can chase down second. Yeah, possibly that could possibly happen, but yeah, there's there's a, there's just a huge amount at stake, and it and it all starts well before before we even kick off. It starts with those those games featuring some of our uh, Champions League rivals. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be absolutely fascinating because, of course, uh, there's so much in the mix here. We've had three months off. Everyone's coming back. It's it's the longest they've ever had off, and uh, at least you know in in sort of. 
living memory, uh, how that is going to play on the uh, on on the team's um, ability to to hit the ground running, which they really need to do. Nine games going, there's no there's no like taking a few first games sort of easy here. Every point really counts massively. Um, so we'll see how that plays into that. How how different training regimes that the clubs have had uh, will make a difference. United had quite a relaxed approach, basically letting the players do their own training regimes um, until they got together at Carrington um, three weeks ago now. And um, injuries and the return of players, we're getting Pogba and Rashford back. That's a huge boost, just massive. Spurs getting Kane back. Uh, not too many other major injuries. Chelsea are really not getting anyone back. Uh, so how how will this figure into it? Um, of course, the coronavirus testing situation, that's going to be interesting. Each club is going to get tested twice a week, about 60 tests per club. We've already seen some. So a Stoke manager tested positive. It uh, ended up cancelling a, a friendly game that United had uh, planned against Stoke. We ended up playing West Bromwich Albion instead and lost to them once, beat them the other time. Um, so all these things are going to come into play, I think, and it, it makes for a really unpredictable situation. A- and then you've got games crammed in, you know, sort of nine games in six weeks, plus the FA Cup. It's uh, it's really going to be fascinating. Fun to watch. Yeah, and and I don't quite know how to address previewing it because I think that the most important thing to say is Anything we say here, well, it should always be taken with a, a hefty pinch of salt when it comes to uh, predictions of what are going to happen. But I think both of us would say this is, there's never been a worse time to predict, predict outcomes because there are so many variables. Who adapts best to having had the time off? Which coaches have used the the bit of time off where the players have been back together, the kind of effective pre-season to do the most effective kind of planning and, and tactical work and all that kind of stuff? What's... What are the fitness regimes and how do they stack up to the demands of playing just an insane number of games without any let up? And of course, who adapts best to playing in such abnormal circumstances? That That is almost going to be one of the most, how, who can get themselves the most professional, the most like committed and up for it in in alien circumstances with well, no fans. Well, correct, yeah. And and alien circumstances with no fans and the impact that has on home advantage, as we've seen with the Bundesliga, which has been up and running for nearly a month now, that does ha- it has had an impact. It has wiped out some of the home advantage. What, what is also done, um, I think, although it's, it's a small sample size, to be fair, has, has um, sort of separated uh, the best clubs from the other clubs. Yeah, because that that home advantage, small club, good crowd gets the team going for a result against a big club. It's not happening. Um, at least some anecdotal evidence that that is true. So, does that pl- do all these things actually play into United's advantage? And I think they might do. The size of squad that United have got with players returning, uh, able to cope with all these games, no burden of European competition until the Premier League is over. Um, many of the other clubs are not used to playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, whereas United are, or Sunday, Thursday, as it has been. Um, and uh, and I don't know how the crowds will play into it, but uh, if it's a if if it's a case of uh, this being the great equaliser, well, United do not play too many clubs above us. Well, we play Sheffield United just below us, Spurs just below us, and Leicester above us. Does that does that actually play into our advantage? Um, as well, it, it may well do, and you know, there's some, there's, there's, uh, and, you know, I don't, and I know I'm usually the cynic among us, uh, pointing to all the reasons why we'll fail and uh, doom is imminent. But I think there's a lot of reasons to feel fairly positive, given all the caveats we've said about we can't possibly predict any of this. Yeah, so the, the, I guess the the one thing that we've really got working against us is our lack of pole position, which Chelsea have got that position i mean let's let's take leicester out of the conversation as i said earlier chelsea have got pole position that three points could be invaluable come the end of the season of course i mean it's the it's basic maths isn't it they've they can make a mistake that we can't 
make. Um, their goal difference uh, at the moment is slightly worse than ours, but it's negligible really. If 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 they went, you know, they're, they're two goals worse off than us, so that that's gone in the blink of an eye, isn't it? One way or another. Let, let's talk about their fixtures. They play um, Villa, Villa, City, Leicester. West Ham, Watford, Palace, Sheffield United, Norwich, Liverpool and Wolves. We're not really going to talk about home and away because, like as we've said, the Bundesliga, I think the statistics from the last round of games was uh, something like 43% of teams normally win at home and it's down to 21% in the small sample size. That hasn't necessarily been the case in, in other leagues, I, I understand, and the Bundesliga too, that's that's not happening so much. But let's, let's say that that, that continues. Villa City... Leicester, West Ham, Watford, Palace, Sheffield United, Norwich, Liverpool and Wolves. The teams in and about us, Man City, who who knows what level of kind of commitment and togetherness they're going to show. Are they going to try and, you know, salvage some pride from this season? Is Pep going to be able to galvanise them behind, you know, the, the frustrations of not being in who Europe? Who knows? They have nothing to play for. No, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Just pride, and maybe that maybe that will be enough because their their if their their pride should be hurt by their very tepid should be. defense. Yeah, it'd be interesting. And, and we were actually talking about Chelsea, I suppose. But but with City, the uh, the other thing plays that's going to play into this is that the court case against Cass is coming up. But you can almost certainly guarantee that most of the big name players there are thinking about a way out. Yeah, because two years but... out of the Champions League is an awful long time for a top player, especially some of those who are a bit older. Say, like, I mean, David Silva's off anyway, but Kevin De Bruyne must be thinking about a move. You know, and, and how you know, and where? trying to go. And there's, there's, yeah, there's lots of questions about City. It wouldn't surprise me if they didn't have very, a very good end to the season because it all points to that. Although there is the pep factor, and he doesn't really accept anything less than the best. Chelsea's really interesting because they are, they're playing City and Leicester. I mean, City, all those caveats, but Leicester, um, they did have a bad run of it just before the break, uh, but they've got all their players back now. They managed to win their last game before the break. Um, you know, part of their challenge is, of course, having a thin squad. Uh, they're all refreshed. We'll see. And then they play Liverpool and Wolves, and they should be tough games, but who knows whether they mean anything in the, the last week of the season. Yeah, so those are their last two games and and Liverpool won't be unless they are somehow on for some kind of record at that point which they, which they might be um and and I guess the break means that them to me the break means they're much more likely to get some sort of points record because they're not going to have the kind of the intense relief of getting over the line they felt they surely will have felt like they're over the line for the last few months and can really kind of galvanize so maybe they'll be going hell for leather but you'd imagine playing them on the penultimate game of the season that'll be an easier fixture than it would have been playing them next say um again like this is this is all wild swings of speculation but that run in for Chelsea they are playing quite a lot of mid table teams aren't they they're playing um Villa in the relegation West Ham are in the relegation oh, they got they got the, they got to play the relegation teams too so mm. I don't know. Their running is our running and Chelsea's running is very similar, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Well, did we go through it? Spurs, Sheffield United. Then we got the, the cup game against Norwich, Brighton, Bournemouth, Villa, Southampton, Palace, West Ham, and Leicester on the final day of the season, which could be a could be a massive game for who takes second. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, we had a just before we came on air, we were chatting about what it means to play teams in the relegation zone because United are playing all three, and of course. Playing teams in the relegation zone, you're playing teams that are not very good by definition, don't you? And uh, versus the the sort of notion that they'll be really up for it. Maybe they will. Yeah, and to me, I would rather play Newcastle, who are not going to get relegated but aren't very good, than a team that's fighting for their life in the relegation zone. Like, you know, everyone from 10th to 14th, that's Burnley, Palace, Everton, Newcastle, Southampton. They're the teams that, unless they really blow it, aren't getting dragged in because Southampton are currently seven points clear of the relegation zone in in 14th place. So, you know, I'd say that those teams 
really are, the, are those are the gimmies and you know whereas Brighton, West Ham, Watford, Bournemouth, Villa and not so much Norwich because unless Norwich have a kind of very good run very early that's probably they could very well be cut adrift quite quickly you know there's there's an awful lot to play for for those teams and and yeah I I, I just don't know why you 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 wouldn't be relishing a game against a relegation team at this stage of a season would you? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have some good data on this, actually, uh, because because the, the the idea that teams facing relegation uh, somehow fight harder or could be a tougher game sounds appealing. I just don't know whether it is, because actually, by definition, teams that get relegated are the teams that aren't getting very good results. Um, but of course, this is all wild speculation. We have to do this because otherwise you've got nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so, so It's actually we... very hard to preview. Uh, what's coming Let's... next because of all these 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 sort of caveats around and uh, around the season and, and and normally we'd talk about all the wonderful signings United had made and what a <laughs> wonderful summer we'd had and the genius that is Ed Woodward in pulling off the bargains of the summer. Um, instead, we have uh, Odin Nagalo's extension, which is yeah you know, we've talked about it already on on balance a good thing because we have more striking resources going into the end of the season than we would have had otherwise many more yeah let's um let's have a have a conversation about about united then more more specifically and and what the team might look like and all those sorts of things um i've got a question for you without looking it up who has the most league assists for manchester united this season most league assists for manchester united this season um let's well pogba's hardly played bruno's only just arrived Let's say it is Marcus Rashford. It is not. It is Daniel James, who has six assists in the league this season. Uh, Marcus Rashford has four. And then you've got Pereira, Martial and Fernandez after five games on three assists. So fair to say that um, Fernandez is doing pretty, pretty well with the uh, the ratio of, of assists. I mean, uh, he's averaging, he's averaging a goal. What is it? A goal contribution, a goal or an assist. Every uh, every game at the moment with two which, goals which and three assists is, in which five was games. A great start to his time at United. Great start, and there's been a lot of talk about what a leader he is as well. So not just influence on the pitch, but his influence off the pitch, and and uh, he, he that's playing factor now. Coming back into training, he's the kind of character that's demanding more of his colleagues. Um, and as we said, we have got Marcus Rashford back, and and of course Paul Pogba back. And and this is this is the big question, isn't it? When you talk about United, how how do you balance all those resources into what is a looks on paper should be a very creative, attacking, destructive unit, but which hasn't been for most of the season. That's where United's problems are. And I, you know, the the question about United's fixture list and all those games against some of the the teams around the relegation zone. Um, and why it could be worrying, of course, is that United have struggled in games like that. Newcastle, Bournemouth, Watford. Who else have we lost to? Burnley, uh, they're mid-table. But lost in games where you would expect a team chasing Champions League to win. Now, can Oli find the, the alchemy to unlock Bruno plus Pogba plus a fit again Marcus Rashford? Surely that's not a team that struggles against uh, lower lower table opposition well i've got a question for you um without looking it up which non-defender or goalkeeper has played the most league minutes for manchester united this season non-defender or goalkeeper most so all the top the top four are all this is the fifth most league minutes in in the squad top top four are all defenders and and de gea wow that's a tight god it's a tough one because Let's have a think. So non non defender or goalkeeper. Yeah. So so midfielders, Bruno came late, Pogba's been injured, Matic was dumped for a long time. Fred's played a lot, McTominay had an injury. Um Daniel James has played a lot. Rashford had an injury, Martial in and out because of the injury. Let's play let's say Fred. 
It is Daniel James with 2,175 minutes. You almost got it. You, you, you at least considered him, which I don't think I would have done if I'd been asked that question. I think just would have assumed. But yeah, remarkable. And perhaps a little bit of a pointer as to why we've struggled so much to not not because I think Daniel James is useless, but because he's just not the player that should be, you know, he's just not... Right. He's, That's he's not what not he was bought that, for. He wasn't yeah. bought to be a starter. He was bought to be a young player who was coming in to learn his trade. Yeah. So um, I, I've been thinking about starting 11s and uh, partly just watching The Last Dance um which I'm sure many, many people have watched that listen to this in lockdown and thinking about the notion of, you know, starters and subs. And and my starting 11 for United at the moment looks something like uh, De Gea, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Harry Maguire, I, I guess Victor Lindelof because because that has been the partnership. But I'd I'd also be happy to see Maguire start alongside uh, Bailly a lot um, just to see if you could build a partnership there. At left back, I think you can... You can justify Williams or Shaw that's that's fine not I don't have a massive dog in that fight obviously like to see Williams there because you're sort of looking at the future Shaw tends to have done better this season when he's played in that back three but I wouldn't be necessarily thinking about starting with that back three because then you just play McTominay Bruno and Pogba as your midfield three play uh, Martial Rashford and Greenwood you know, Greenwood's got another three months of maturity under his belt. Kind of, you know, that's quite a big percentage of his age, given how old he is. Um, but yeah, so that that'd be my starting eleven. Yeah, it was interesting the team that played against West Brom. So in the two games, the uh, I can't remember who played against who now. Uh, but in one of the games, the back five, as you'd expect, it started. So. De Gea, Wambazeka, Maguire, Lindelof and Shaw. Um, and then in the other game, the sort of front five, six started. So it was Matic, Pogba and Bruno, Martial, Rashford and James who played yeah, in that, that one. Might... And I don't know how much of a signal that is to Ollie's thinking, but it might well be. It's probably fair as well because Matic really did come into his own at the back end of last season particularly in the game, not, not last season, the back end of the Apertura. Um, he he really did come into his own in the back end before the, the virus thing hit. And and especially in games when we were on the front foot, he played really, really, really well a number of times. And of course, Fred's had a really good season. You know, he was, he's had a much better season than almost anyone else in the United side. So, yeah. so I, I think it, any of it... I, you think that Fred Pogba and uh, Bruno is going to be—it's going to be frustrating to watch Pogba in that formation because he's going to have to do a lot of work that you wouldn't want Pogba to have to do. Yeah, it, well, a couple of things to think about there. Of course, there's been a little little bit of a debate in social media this week. Gary Neville getting involved in this notion of whether um, Bruno and Pogba can play together. They certainly can. Uh, what what you'd, you'd that you wouldn't want them playing in a two in midfield, Lampard and Gerrard style, uh, but in a three, they certainly can. Then then the question became, becomes, who's the most disciplined behind? Um, and I think that's probably McTominay or Matic. Matic's looking very trim in training. Um, the question there for me is entirely about how fresh is he? He's had a long time off and that will help him, especially because much of his time with United, he's looked burnt out. And how much does he want it? And again, much of his time with United, he doesn't look like he actually wants it at all. Um, but if you can get all those things in Matic, then he's going to be a very valuable player. Um, and him or, or McTominay are interchangeable. Yes, Fred, Fred uh, I think, is now an option, um, and which is unfair on him because he's actually he's had, a, 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 as you say, a very good season for him. Um, but yeah, a very good season. Then, then the question with Pogba and Bruno is: is who is the ten and who's the eight? Um, and uh, you'd imagine, given the the kind of disciplined role that Pogba played for France at the World Cup and how successful that was, even though it's not the role he wants and it's the role that everyone assumes he can't do, that it would be Pogba at eight and Bruno at ten, because that's basically where Bruno played most of his how many games? Eight games. Five. Well, I, never mind the Europa. I'm just talking about Premier League. So five yeah, plus five. Uh, Europa League, yeah. Um, but 
uh, Bruno had played in a double pivot eight at Sporting, as was much discussed. And so he's obviously perfectly comf- comfortable playing in a more, in a deeper position. Then comes the second question, which is, they are both sort of high risk, high reward players, aren't they? Right? Both of them. And we talked a lot about Bruno's passing percentage. That's because he's trying stuff all the time. So does Paul Pogba. Um, and so he's playing both of them too risky in certain games uh, because of that or not, you know, and, and does... Does that mean if you do that, that you'd be playing without the ball a lot, especially against better size? And and I don't know the answer to that, and I'm not saying one one is right and one is wrong, uh, but it's certainly something Oli will be thinking about. Yeah, so in the World Cup, a lot of the time, Pogba just played at six in a four-two-three-one. He was the six and um, the player alongside him, which was Sissoko. I think at some point, no, that's the Euros before that. I can't remember who it was that played alongside him in the World Cup off the top of my head. I, I mean, Conte was in the team, wasn't he? But yeah. anyway, Pogba was, was was barely an eight. And and one of the things I think you could do, it's a shame Louis van Gaal isn't the manager in some ways because they would be so perfect for the two eights in a van Gaal 4-3-3 with a six and two eights, you know, rather than like two behind a more advanced player if you've got one player holding I mean it was it was Carrick in in that Van Gaal side you have one player holding and then Pogba and Fernandez on either side ahead of them because right. because one of the things they both do a lot is win the ball back so yeah and th- in that's... fact this is what we may see I mean formations are fluid Ollie's teams have proven to be fluid at times I mean they've proven to be very defensive and play on the break. Um, I'm not sure that that's how you're going to get the best out of that particular combination of players. Um, I think maybe front foot forward is, is going to be quite important. And in fact, you know, we talk, we talk about, and I talked about it a lot, all these teams playing on the break, but actually they're, they're one of the teams with the highest percentage of possession on average in the division. You know, we had this complete dichotomy of games where we have 30% possession in specific matches um, versus those with 60% at home, but it being a bit vanilla at times. So this is all in the mix. And I, I think uh, they're both intelligent players. And I expect United will go out against Spurs, given the lack of home advantage with no crowd there, um, given how fresh everyone is, to to be fairly bold. I mean, it's all depending I... on Pogba being fit, of course. But he played in that game against West Brom and he was looking pretty good. So... I, I guess I'm sort of talking in very general terms about what United will look like this season. I think there is every chance that against Spurs, he plays that back three. So he plays Shaw, Maguire, Lindelof, and then Williams and Wan-Bissaka. And then what, three in the middle and Martial and Rashford together up front. I mean, that that could be really fantastic. You play Pogba, Fernandes and whoever, and let's say Matic. That's that's a team that could adapt to having the ball if Spurs want to sit off and a, and the team that could cause a just immense terror on the counter-attack. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a good call. They may well do that. And what, Brandon Williams coming into the the left back, back slot with Shaw. Or I guess Bailly now he's fit in the back three. Bailly played against West Brom. Didn't injure right. himself, which is a bonus. Unlike Phil Jones, who you Unlike said Unlike Phil just Jones, before. who, who, who uh, got a muscle injury in training. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. It's sad. Yeah, so uh, there there are definitely options there. I mean, I, I want to talk just very briefly. We've talked a lot about Pogba and Fernandez, and it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Of course, I'm sure we're both very much on team play them both as much as you can, because why wouldn't you want to do that? Um, what do you think is going to happen with Mason Greenwood between now and the end of the season, in particular in the Premier League? Because obviously he's played a lot of his games so far. I mean, he's made 18 substitute appearances in the Prem um, and only four starts. He's, of course, been been a real regular in the Europa League. Um, so so what do you reckon in terms of... So he's made five starts and two sub-appearances. Uh, not, not, 
you know, that's that's a lot, basically. Um, the third most total appearances in the Europa League for United. Yeah. And he's he's been brilliant, scoring five goals in those games. I think we'll see uh, the same pattern. He, he's going right. to be uh, an option off the bench. I don't, I don't expect him to start too many of these games. There's only nine games to go, plus the cup game. And who knows, you know, it's quarterfinal, so we may have a couple more on top of that. It's It's a crowded schedule, but... But it's no more crowded than the period from sort of October to to December, is it? You I guess know? not. And 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 these players are fresh, so I think it'll be an option off the bench. Uh, you know, assuming and and look, either way, I, I expect Martial and Rashford to start. Whether it's yeah. two up front with a back three, or Rashford coming off the left where he's been so productive this season before his injury, and Martial up top uh, with someone else on the right hand side. So. Yeah, and that's someone else. That's that's the question. I really, really, I guess, because because that. I mean, as as I, as I said earlier about those minutes played with twenty five starts, that has been Daniel James. I mean, he started a lot when when Rashford was injured. It was him and Martial playing up front together in those yep. those twos up front, wasn't it? So he's, he has started there, but but he started a lot of games wide on the right and and. To me, I, I'd almost want to see Greenwood at least as much in the Premier League as, as Dan James. Just, I mean, talent-wise, I think there's a there's a fairly substantial talent gap between those two players. Sure. Yeah, I think that's that's that, that's fair. I, I just that's how I expect Oli to do it. Yeah, um, there's there's another option, of course, which which Oli hasn't used very often, but could do, which is a diamond in midfield, so a flat back four. Uh, with a diamond in which you could get Bruno, Pogba, Fred and Matic into the team or, or McTominay. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, that that would then ask a lot of our fullbacks, which I'd I'd be more comfortable with with Wan-Bissaka and Shaw or Williams than I ever would have been with Valencia and Young. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, I guess you could definitely do that in in some of the, some of the games where we're expecting to dominate possession in particular. Although... I'm not sure it's really necessary to. I don't really know what massive advantage it would convey to be able to squeeze all four of those midfielders in, rather than have three attacking players on the on the pitch. I mean, three forwards, you know. Sure. The, the other the other thing that that could happen a little maybe is is Igalo playing games up front. Um, to kind of to share the load, and and I wonder whether you might even see. Uh, a front two of either Martial and Rashford plus Igalo to, you know, depending on on how the the load and muscle injuries and all that stuff is stacking up and red zone and all that business. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, Igalo hasn't uh, hasn't started a Premier League game. Did start the one in the Europa League. Can't remember now. Um, I can f- I can find out for you. You can find out. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's got some goals and he's an option, of course. Yeah, I, I don't imagine. I mean, it's it doesn't feel like the time to rotate. I mean, right? Like that said, right? Players have had a long time off and not much time training, um, and the time they've had off while training has been at home, on a treadmill, or in the garden, or occasionally illicitly in the park or whatever. Um, and it's one of the reasons why, uh, and the risks associated with that short preseason um, and long time off. Um, is one of the reasons why the FIFA has allowed five substitutes and the Premier League have taken up that option. So, you know, of course, there will be rotation in that you'd expect managers to use many of those substitutes um, in games in order to to reduce the risk and bring players back in. Pogba's definitely a, a candidate for getting another injury, given he's not played a game since December the 26th. Right? And even then, that was a comeback after an injury as well. Um, so I would, uh, you know, even if he does start on Friday night, I'd imagine that there's going to be quite a few of these early games where he plays 60 minutes at most. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wonder whether Rashford, who also, you know, had a really long injury and, and a, a, a really difficult one and a really load-based injury by the sounds of it, if it was a stress fracture, um, there, there you've got you've got a lot of a lot of players that are going to need some pretty careful management. Um, and it all starts on Friday, unless there's anything else you want to say about the sort of general pattern of the season. It all starts on, on Friday against Tottenham Hotspur and uh, Evil Incarnate, 
the joy destroyer, the walking human dementor himself, a man who uh, really did break lockdown to train illicitly in the park. Um, uh, the crown prince of darkness himself, Jose Mourinho. Will Ole be patting Mourinho on the head uh, once more? Oh, I more? hope so. Yeah, a, a column by Daniel Taylor this week saying that uh, Mourinho's been putting the word around that he thinks that uh, Ollie could be out of his depth at United, which we are allowed to say as Manchester United fans, <laughs> he, that's the scum who tried to burn down the club down before he buggered off or was fired, um, he's not allowed to say it. Well, it he might would be true. He would know a lot about being out of your depth at Manchester United, wouldn't he? Because it turns out that um, a man who was once one of football's most sort of compelling characters has become a, a terrifyingly dull parody of himself. I was talking to a friend who supports Tottenham and just like sympathising with him, really. It's just absolutely horrendous having Jose Mourinho as the manager of your football team, isn't it? So It really is. It really is. And I just wonder how, how much more horrendous it will be uh, with Jose. Because, of course, you know, the thing that he... he feels the need to do more than almost anything else at a club is change the personnel out in order to get the players he wants and he feels comfortable with. And he's not going to be able to do that, I suppose. He didn't get much in his first summer. Well, first summer? First summer, No summers. Yeah. No summers. No summers. Yeah. Uh, he, he, had, he has had no summers. Pochettino first, was their manager. I mean, window. I know. He didn't get I'm... much in his first window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, one of the interesting things about Jose is how he reacts to his current situation at Spurs. He didn't get any players in the January transfer window and and he sets his kind of stall out, um, I think, as a manager by who he can have in his squad. He wants the players that are his players, uh, his type of players, and he's proven that again and again. Um, And he's not going to get anything in the summer to come after this this, um, season is finished because Spurs have said... They will not be spending any money. They had to borrow £175 million from the government, or Bank of England, at very low interest rates, but said publicly they won't be spending it on transfers. He's going to get nothing. They're going to get freebies. They, the cost to them of their not being football, the rebate, and um, no crowds in their very expensive new stadium is is really critical to their business model. So, yeah, I, I mean, he's going to have to prove. He's going to have to become the the manager or the coach he once was at Porto and and do it on the training ground. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think he will, A, succeed and do that or B, implode in a miserable failure? Um, The the, the fascinating thing about their long-term future really is Harry Kane, I think, because as we've, we've talked about a lot, I mean, he's just 26 years old, Kane, but... All the evidence suggests there's a steady decline in his output, touches in the box, non-penalty XG, all the stuff that you would be looking at if you were a nerd um, and trying to work out whether a player is kind of like past his peak. Now, of course, that could be result of a lot of football over a long period of time and very little break except for injury. Maybe three months off is going to be just what he needs. I wonder how many players we can say that about. They're all going to be coming back as superheroes at this point, um, having had this break. Uh, But they're, they're, you know, they are, uh, they're a squad with a lot of issues. And I mean, that's not to say that, that they aren't a really dangerous first opponent for United. Mourinho will be absolutely desperate desperate to win this game and and for for more i mean just for every reason you can imagine there's all the the pride stuff around united and um wanting to prove that he is not a busted flush uh, but never mind all that if they win this game they're on 44 points we're on 45 points and sure. they are bang in the mix again yeah i mean it's it's a big stretch for them to to catch up with chelsea it's a seven point gap for Spurs, that's, that's a big stretch over nine games, but not impossible. Although they're asking Chelsea to fail and United to fail and Wolves and Sheffield United and so on and so on, right? So, yeah. the I, I didn't look up the models, but I'm I'm sure the model will say something like it's a less than ten percent chance of Spurs making the top four, and I think that that would be about fair. So they they have to basically win every game, I imagine. Um, but you're absolutely right, uh, Joseph. We desperate in this first game for for a number of reasons. I I, I just I just wonder. I wonder whether um, he will be so desperate. Whether that will got through to the players. We'll see. 
it's clearly, clearly him getting players together in in the local parks to to go training. He's looking for every ed possible, and of course Josie would. And then Kane, or look, he he may be forced to say at uh, Spurs for another season at least. Uh, because um, no one will be able to stump up the money that that Spurs will want, or maybe the the money is so critical at Spurs that they they'll try and sell him. Um, he certainly will want to go. I'm sure he's not going to say it publicly, but he's 26 now, and Spurs are not going to get in the Champions League this season. It seems very unlikely, and it feels they've gone backwards a little bit. He's got to be putting that into into his calculation. I'm sure he is. So five thirty eight have uh, reduced their home field advantage by 10% in their model to reflect their no crowds thing. And their current predictions are 95% this is to make the Champions League. Um, Leicester, 95%. Chelsea, 79%. uh, United, 75%. And then it's down to 23% for Wolves, 11% for Sheffield United, 10% for Tottenham, 5% for Arsenal and 1% for Everton. Um, So... Uh, yeah, like you said, about ten percent. Uh, that's that's where they've got they've got Spurs between now and the end of the season, make, making that top four. And it's interesting that us and Chelsea is kind of much of a muchness, really seventy nine and seventy five percent. It's it's really yes, you know, who which knows? would work, of course, if uh, if you think of it as a two horse race, but <laughs> it is definitely not. <laughs> um, it's very I. I can't tell you how much saying those numbers out loud just fries my brain because like no no that doesn't I don't understand how you can use percentage in those terms how can that be possible that they have a 79% chance yeah. and we have a 75% chance that that doesn't it doesn't make sense um yes see every major media outlet and the uh, 2016 US presidential elections for frying brains yeah, people don't understand their probabilistic models. But anyway, um, uh, the sad, sad, sad fact is I had to do this, uh, a lot of this, uh, more than 20 years ago now because I'm now old. But some of it is stuck in my brain somewhere deep in the you know, cerebral cortex in the kind of monkey part of my brain at the back. Um, anyway, Listen, it's a I just want brain, isn't it? It's a reptile uh, yeah, brain at the back. I was just, just going to say on on from my i've done a lot of training in that area and i can tell you that it doesn't matter how much you study it predictive models don't go into your limbic system (laughs) (laughs) they do here and i'm getting very angry with you telling me uh uh, psychology joke there um, yeah, it's good, it's good to see. We've we got your, you got your economics jokes, you got your psychology jokes, you got your so jokes about how Jose Mourinho is evil incarnate. Uh, yeah, he is. <laughs> um, Spurs have us, West Ham, Sheffield United. That's going to be a big one for them. Everton, Bournemouth, Arsenal, another big one, Newcastle, Leicester and Palace. I mean, I don't know how that ranks against our running, but it feels, it feels some of that is tough for them, for sure. I mean, that you know, us... Sheffield United and Arsenal and then Leicester. There's four really key games when you've got to win everything. Yeah, and and of course, like what is a key game will change and adapt really quickly. I think because the the this could unbunch very quickly. I mean, or it could continue to stay in the weird compact thing of like when one because the reason we're in this mess is because all season long a team would kind of nose itself in front and then mess up. I mean, Chelsea should be absolutely out of sight. We should, there's no way we should be fifth. I believe we haven't been higher than fifth in the league all season, by the way, um, which is, which is kind of crazy, but, um, but yeah, there's no way we should be in this position. We've, we've blown so many points that we should have. Um, but then I guess we've earned some points that you wouldn't have expected yeah, yeah. us to earn too. So but I think we're going to be fifth all season till the final day of the season when we beat Leicester to go second. <laughs> that's how it's going to be yeah yeah that is that's definitely possible right maths maths i i think that that um man city are, are qualified for the champions league but i don't understand how that's possible um <laughs> yes qualified and not qualified well oh, they, yeah, they, they've got why. enough points yeah that's um, that's what it is um yes i mean that, that, i don't know when that that cast case resumes i mean presumably they're not going to hold it this over zoom so it could be some time but uefa will have to make a decision and i guess if it it all stands as it stands they will be 
out of next season's competition. Presuming there is one, and we haven't talked about Europe yet, and I guess we'll finish with the Premier League and then talk about exactly how that might work. Um, But yeah. Anyway, so United v Spurs. How do you think it's going to go? What kind of game are we, uh, what kind of team are we going to put out? Well, I think we'll play that back three. Um, and I think it might be, it might be formations might be matched. They might be matched up against each other. Um, I, I guess. Uh, and I have no idea how it's going to play out. Just genuinely, absolutely no idea. You know, often we kind of joke about plucking two numbers out when you're predicting games. And that's been true for some of the Europa League games with literally no sense of the opposition whatsoever. But here, I, 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 don't know how you can hope to predict a result because we have no idea all the stuff I said right at the beginning of the show, who's going to react best to the new circumstances, who's going to react best to having had a break, who's going to be reinvigorated by that versus out of touch because of that. I mean, I I, I think for the first time ever, I would almost say we sort of owe it to the listeners not to predict results for this match because it just seems so silly to try and predict a result. 4-0 yeah. to United. Yeah, go on, 4-0 to United. no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruno, Bruno uh, and Pogba with two. No, uh, all four of the Fab Four, Martial, Rashford, Pogba, Fernandes, each with one. Yeah, 5-0, five 5-0. Nil. Five nil. Greenwood off the bench to get a fifth. 6-0. Odin's going to come on two and score one. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, you know, he probably will. Oh. Dribble around six players and bang it in the top bins. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, why, <laughs> why not? Um, yeah, of course, United just having come off that loss to West Brom, we'll, uh, we'll be in fine, fine fail for but this I one. I thought we, we lost first, though, right? So we've lost already bounced then, back. Yeah, yeah. So we've I, I, I don't back. even, to be honest, I don't even know if they played full games. Um, right. Some, some players played in both games. And by the way, just I know we've mentioned this earlier in the lockdown, but shout out to Marcus Rashford for being a, apparently seeming to be an absolutely staggeringly good human, like just done remarkable work all the way through this and an absolute credit to, I mean, I was going to say a credit to the club, but never mind that. He's, he's, he's just the kind of player that you want to root for and a oh, huge God, credit yeah. to his family. The at uh, L-U-H-G crowd on Twitter are still calling him Trashford, by the way. Yeah, right. Well, good luck to all of them. Just, just burn them all to the ground. Uh, <laughs> yes, he's... Uh, and I think he'll be completely pivotal pivotal to United's finish to the season. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, his spin around, albeit a West Brom defender, um, this week in the, in the friendly game was absolutely lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, beautiful. That's the, sum, that's the sum total of what I've seen of uh, of this training, and it was worth it, to be honest. Um, well, Andres right. Pereira stuck on in the, the top bins. Well, that's... That, we haven't that's, talked about him at all. That's him using up all his powers between now and the end of the season, then. Oh, I hope we don't see much of him at all. We shouldn't, I guess. We might see him in the Europa League. So what is happening? And let's try and do this quickly, because this has already gone on a bit longer than I was sure. necessarily expecting. Um the uh, what what is going on? You, with you want your, us to preview you, nine games and a season uh, <laughs> for six or seven clubs, and you want to finish it inside forty five minutes? Never going <laughs> to no, happen. No, true. Um, so, what is going on with European yeah. competition? Well, look, it's like bunch of caveats here. We don't even know whether all the um, all the seasons that have uh, started again, and it looks like it's going to be. I think I'm right in saying it's twenty eight. Um, seasons around Europe are restarting around about now uh, and a few have pinned it off so France Holland Scotland and one other of the reasonably sort of second tier leagues have uh, ended their seasons um, and I mean I guess those teams are still in European competition in theory because it's only the domestic season uh, we don't know whether international travel will be ready and we don't know whether all the leagues will complete on time but the theory is that this will they'll t- take place in some kind of mini tournaments. Um, so starting at the quarterfinal stage, I guess, um, in a single location, a kind of bubble, uh, Champions League somewhere and the Europa League somewhere. It, it seems to be that it, Lisbon might be, be the option for the Europa League. No fans, just a mini tournament played out in August. We'll see. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's like one of the, all those ideas that have been floated 
about Project Restart in the Premier League. It's, it's contingent on so many things and, and obviously the risks are multiplied you know, quite a lot um, when you're talking about multiple different countries um, and the risks of international travel. Yeah, yeah. So watch this space. Yes, and I think the final was supposed to be, the Europa League final was supposed to be played in Gdansk. And yep. so you already bought your flight and hotel in Gdansk. Bad luck. Well, that's gone. That's that would have it's long gone. gone by now. Gone. This is this is the Sorry weird time that. loop. That's the weird you time loop. I mean, I was looking at one stage going, it doesn't cost that much to get to Gdansk. <laughs> I might just do it on on spec. Um and it might not even it probably won't be played in Gdansk. It'll probably be played in this mini, mini uh mini bubble tournament type thing. It's it's very strange, the whole kind of dilation of time. The fact that we're talking about football and Premier League football and it's the middle of June. I mean, it, it's as if time isn't hard enough to get your head round at the moment anyway. It's the middle of June and we're previewing the end of the season. It's very, it automatically makes you feel like we're in April having this conversation. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, well, if all goes to plan, uh, Premier League wraps up by the end of July uh, Champions League and Europa League wrap up by the end of August. They have a what two or three week turnaround, and and seasons are starting again in sort of September time or late September, um, and then they try and make up some time next season. I mean, you know, but best laid plans and all that. And I mean, you know, so League One and League Two uh, called the season. They're not able to finish it. They're, there's all sorts of like you know never mind the kind of club's going to go to the wall stuff which is is very real i mean the the just missing out a team that was relegated who are a point behind the team above them in the relegation zone with a game in hand and you just think oh this is just absolutely horrendous um and uh we should talk about the fact that when football does come back there's a very good chance it's going to come back without crowds and then the this the football league is in terrible terrible danger of like yeah. it's going to need something from somewhere because it won't just yeah. survive on its own terms will it no i mean like so a bunch of those clubs can borrow money off the government there's this scheme uh and some of them might but heavily indebted anyway and uh, i i expect they'll end up being a solidarity payment from the premier league but the premier league clubs are, are losing quite a bit of money anyway 300 and something might go might be bigger than that you know, we don't we don't know exactly how the the negotiations will end with all the broadcasters and what happens with European football for those who are in it, uh, and so yeah, a lot of imponderables with with uh, the smaller clubs. Uh, but but they did it so they can basically furlough all their staff and and reduce as much um, the the payments and the outgoings as possible. And it's 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 comes down to money. Um, whether you lose more money by not playing games at all or by playing games. Yeah, so ab- it's a absolutely. decision made in, in Scotland and, and France as well, where, you mm. know, where the, the broadcast contracts aren't as big. Yeah, and a lot of French players sort of, I think, probably quite upset that French football stopped when it did, especially seeing leagues around Europe restart and stuff. And, you know. Yeah, Italy anyway. and Spain. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. That's all the doom and gloom. I guess it's worth celebrating the temporary uh, escapism that football provides. Um, Also worth saying that the uh, Premier League has said they will be supportive of players who want to make political statements. Or I don't even know if it looks like um, Black Lives Matter will be on the back of shirts. Yeah, I mean it's a that's big. It's big and and. You know, I, obviously beautiful, and in my opinion, um, that the the Premier League have said they will be supportive of players who want to take a knee, and that that's a symbol which carries this tremendous poignancy and potency, given how the players in the NFL were treated by that. When would it, the the knee take knee taking take place? This I don't you know, maybe before games, maybe like you know when the all the bombast is taking place, and just that, do it have, as John Terry comes to shake your hand. Uh, we don't have the national anthem here, thank goodness, before Premier League games. Um, and 
Uh, but then, of course, a lot of players have been celebrating goals in that fashion, and yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. So that's there's, I'm sure, going to be a lot of that, and as well, there should be. Um, so, well, that's right, and it's it's a moment to recognise what is happening in the world, um, both the uh, the pandemic and the uh, the great work that our um, first responders have been doing there, and and the players have been raising a lot of money. Uh, for the NHS and related charities uh, and for the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests that have been held, especially in the States, but around the world. Um, and the, uh, I have to say, the worst headlines ever, including the BBC counter-protests as a bunch Jesus. of Nazis walked through central London this week. Um, uh, yeah, air quotes for those who can't see this on a podcast, you know. Yeah. I think it's an awful way of... Uh, of framing that, but uh, yeah, so I think that's important and symbolically, of course. Um, and so we'll we'll see how exactly how that plays out in the next week, and, and which players want to want to um, say something. Um, also interesting, sad um, that there's been a, a renewed debate around um, the role of black managers in English football, Premier League, but English football more widely. There are no black black managers in the the Premier League. Right now, there's been very few. Uh, 35% of Premier League players are black or ethnic minority. Um, but, you know, it's a much, much smaller percentage uh, than that has ever been a manager or an owner, you know. And that's football shame um, at yeah. the time when we're talking about race a lot. And if you ever want, you know, um, evidence of systemic racism and how systemic racism really works and and if you really want to understand like that what racism isn't about hating people i mean of course it can be about hating people those are the most extreme versions of it but that's not how it normally looks it normally looks like oh no these are all the very good now i'm doing air quotes these are all the very good reasons why there's never been any black managers and it's like mm, okay yep sure um but anyway that is uh, hopefully something that football takes seriously. Uh, you know, I always end up talking about cricket in one way or another. It's something that the ECB have been talking about, the England um, Wales Cricket Board have been talking about because uh, things are getting worse and worse and worse in cricket in in that regard in England. So, yeah, let's, let's hope there is some meaningful change coming out of all these conversations. And uh, listen, uh, we ain't going to stop talking about it. So, you know, that's, 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 that's part of what our show is for, isn't it? Um, so, what our show is so, yeah, also... if you want to leave any feedback, don't go to <laughs> <laughs> we do We do get a little bit of, uh, what are these uh, social justice warriors doing? Just talk about football. Just dribble the ball. Yeah, I mean, listen, when, that's never going to happen. So, if you're one of those people, this is just, it's just simply not the show for you, which is fine. It's fine. There are probably shows somewhere that are for you. And uh, You're taking the Seth Rogen approach. Who uh, has systematically not followed uh, Seth Rogen on uh, Instagram and Twitter? Uh, every time a uh, a Nazi sympathizer comes onto his timeline, or someone who wants to question the validity of the Black Lives Matter protests, he just tells them to fuck off. <laughs> well, it's it's along those lines, isn't it? That's that's really along those lines of, uh, and and I actually I just mean. Um, because whilst I have no sympathy for people who have that point of view, I do have sympathy for people who are looking for an escape from conversations um, oh, because, sure, yeah. because they want a break. Um, that's fine. This isn't the show for that, really. We're, most of the time we will be. But when there's important stuff, it's, you know, silence is compliance, as they say, right? So that's not that's not going to be... That's never been us and it's not going to suddenly become us. So uh, with that said... Football also does provide a degree of escapism, so I hope that you'll enjoy watching United. I hope that the I my sincere hope between now and the end of the season is just that we see some real kind of joie de vivre in the team, and uh, not just United actually, but just football in general. I, I I'm sure the players will be desperate, desperate, desperate to show off their skills and talents and abilities that they haven't been able to to for such a long time, and you know. We all we've all kind of come to reflect at what sport means to us. I'm sure um, mm. it's going to be really nice to have it back. Joie de vivre and compliance two words not associated with Jose Mourinho. <laughs> no, <laughs> who we face on Friday. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so uh, all right, five nil to United. Then is that the yeah. official podcast prediction? Totes, totes yeah. yeah, no Lovely. doubt. 
All right. Uh, so we will be back. Um, we won't do a midweek show because uh, we've done everything that we would do on that show. We'll be back after the Spurs game uh, with a look back at that and a preview of the game afterwards like it was, I don't know, Ooh. March of this year or something. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And we'll see you then. Patreon okay, backers, stay tuned for more chat. Fresh for that.